Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of Into the Fogcast podcast. I am your co-host Jamie Lee 2K and I am your co-host Topher. Today's episode is on the hillbilly. Hillbilly is one of these unique characters that you don't really come across very often. After his overheat mechanic got introduced a lot of people stopped playing him so you just don't really see him very often and when you do see him it's a lot of the OG players that are really good at the game. These are the kind of players that can flip round corners and jump off hills and get these really good snipes from across the map. They're the ones that you've got to really look out for. Now, when getting chased by Billy, I always try and jump to a jungle gym. You know, them LT walls and just basically anything with a window and a pallet. Drop the pallet early. Just hope they ain't got low pro chains and just try and get away as far as possible hopefully if he chases you long enough you, you manage to escape also just lose line of sight wherever you can it's good enough just running around a corner but the last thing you want to do is get hit by one of these flick billies he's a really tough player to go against and you just got to be really mindful uh, just try and look out for him as best as possible and see how he plays and then you'll get a good understanding and an idea and how to dodge some of these chainsaws because a lot of the time he will chainsaw but that's my experience with hillbilly so what's your experience with him well unfortunately hillbilly is one of those killers that i very rarely come across i can play the game for like three or four days and have one maybe two hillbillies as my killer um, that being said, when I do come across a hillbilly, um, going against a bad hillbilly or a learning hillbilly isn't very fun. You can instantly tell they're new to the game, and looping them just doesn't really take a lot of mind gaming, a lot of brain power. A mediocre billy can be pretty good to go against, but a good billy, that's where the thats where the reward comes in. That's when you start feeling good about looping a good billy. I can't loop a good billy very well. I spend my first health state thinking, what kind of add-ons are they using? Are they a double engravings billy with flick, um, and flicking around corners? Um, are they using turn rate add-ons? Are they a drift billy? These are all decisions I have to make pretty quickly, otherwise I get down very fast and then my second chase will end up being just as fast and then my third one and then I'm dead. And a lot of the time they run the same old perks every game as well, so discerning the perks they use can be quite easy. A lot of them use Tinkerer, Barbecue, some variations with Pop, Ruin, Undying, all, all sorts of different kinds of gen regression perks and Bamboozle as well because like going against a Bubba you can just vault windows and get away from them. All in all I think Hillbilly is definitely one of my favourite killers to go against going into a game. He's not too um, imposing to go against, he does have a one shot down but it requires a lot of skill on the Hillbilly's part. And if you can loop a good hillbilly, then you just you ride that high for the rest of the game. It's so satisfying to do. So now let's talk about the killer side of hillbilly. So the other day when I was on stream, I got made to play Billy. And it was an absolute disaster. The first game was just a disaster. Um, I was using double engravings. I didn't really have a lot of perks on him. So I just basically just picked a few things. Pop, barbecue. I think they were two of the perks that I was using, but... <clears throat> Yeah, I ended up like, I, th I didn't get a single kill, but I got like four hooks. And I just found that double engravings were so difficult to play. 
you know, you've got, I think, to be honest, I think you've got to learn how to um, use just one engraving and then possibly build up to two engravings in the end. But like, in the second game that I played, I actually 4K'd and it was on the game. I managed to 3-gen the survivors. Um, but yeah, I was using Doom engravings and then I used Dad's boots, which really does help you out. So, like for me, I wanted to learn to flick and Doom engravings was just way too quick. So, well, the double engravings was just way too quick. So, yeah, Dad's boots really did help in the turning and I was managing to get some really good flicks on Billy it's it's very rewarding when you finally get a flick other than that I don't really have a lot of interaction with Billy I don't play Billy at all um, I just think now that his overheat mechanic has pretty much killed Billy off for most people um, I'm always finding that feathering it's very hard to do. I need to start mastering that. And after listening to this interview, now that I've got a few tips, I can really start to uh, play Billy a little bit and see whether I can introduce some of these tips into my gameplay. I played a fair bit of Billy in the run-up to his tome being released back in October 2020. When a new tome was coming out and a killer was involved in that tome, um, to do the tome challenges for that killer, I would spend the two weeks before that sort of playing nothing but that killer to try and get in the feel for it, get a bit more, get a bit more adept with the killer, and then do his specific challenges a lot more easier. And um, in doing so, I ended up playing a lot more of him than I thought I would. He was a very satisfying killer to play as. He was very rewarding. When I've eventually managed to nail how to do the chainsaw properly, it was really fun. It took me a long time to realise that. The, uh, the camera sensitivity is incredibly high in the first half a second of the sprint and it will just, it caused me to collide into so many corners without realizing. I found myself sort of relying too much though on a lot of crutch perks for him, a lot of like training wheel perks like bamboozle just to knock out a window and his heavy clutch add-on that made the collision zones somewhat smaller and the, the yellow filter that makes the cooldown 50% faster and I kind of got used to them a bit too much and any time I deviated away from those perks I ended up losing gens a lot faster, losing a lot of chases a lot faster and it took a while to get into the habit of dropping those those training wheels but once I sort of picked my games back up again I got a bit better with the double engravings I got used to the timing of the chainsaw revs for them as well that became sort of more normal for me um, learning some of the corners you can flick around with the engravings was super fun to do as well once you get those nailed down. I had to research a lot of the um, stuff myself on various videos and watching certain streamers here and there and just lurking in their chats. But um, any sort of gimmicky builds, gimmicky perks, add-ons, things like that, I don't really know too much of them. I only ever really use like the same seven or eight perks, the same set of add-ons, whether I, sometimes I still use my heavy clutch if I'm running out of double engraving add-ons. Drift King Billy can be pretty fun to play with the spike boots, um, but that's really map dependent as well. You get an indoor map on that and you just you may as well just stand in a corner for the whole game. But um, yeah, Hillbilly isn't one of the killers that really stands out to me too much. He's a very sort of get in, do the job, get out kind of killer. So I don't really have much in the way of um, 
too much experience with a lot of different perk builds, a lot of different add-ons. I just use, I just go in, be the same one-trick hillbilly, and then that's kind of it for my experience. Nothing really special for me on that end. So now that we've talked about our experiences, let's get on with the interview. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Into the Fogcast podcast. Today we have another guest. So, hello, guest. First, tell us who you are and who you main. Good evening, everyone. My name is Sofrix. I'm a hillbilly main in Dead by Daylight. Been playing hillbilly for about a year or something, maybe a little bit longer, just after his rework. So, mainly known for uh, for my billy. I also do play Survivor, but yeah, most people know me for my billy. So, having not played much of hillbilly, mainly because I found him hard to play, and his chainsaw can be quite erratic at times. Did you find him hard to play? And what do you enjoy playing about him? Oh, the main reason I chose Billy is um, because of two friends of mine. They were in a so-called clan uh, syndicate, which is uh, <laughs> by origin an oceanic clan. They once went against me when I was playing Survivor, and they did an enormous... Uh, I don't know whether you're familiar with it, but they did Sky Billy. So basically, they, they used the map into their advantage to fly up way above the actual ceiling of the map. And that's how I got to see like what you could do with Billy. That's also what got me into Billy. The fact that I saw them doing such amazing things, getting on top of main buildings, flying outside the map, uh, got me really interested into learning what you could actually do with him. This was, if I'm not mistaken, the 3.7.0 update, because right after that, he got nerfed. Um, they took away the opportunity to sky Billy. but it, it was pretty hard to learn him at start. When I started playing Billy, there were so many mechanics that I was not familiar with, the curving, the flicking, sky Billy, obviously, uh, was something you really had to learn. You had to learn every spot, every map, every tile. Uh, but it was the, the fact that there was such a big gap, a skill gap in my opinion, a skill ceiling, mostly of all, that made me want to learn him. There are a lot of killers you can play, obviously, in Dead by Daylight, but in my humble opinion, there are only a few killers that have a certain skill ceiling that not everyone can get. And in my opinion, that is Huntress, it's a Blight, it's a Nurse, it's a Billy. Those are killers that you actually like need to keep on improving and, and you need to learn more than just regularly holding him one or pressing him one, let's say that way. Um, so yeah, the, those are mostly the killers that I only play. Killers with a certain skill gap or a skill ceiling that you cannot just hit by pressing M1. That's what interests me the most in Billy. The fact that he was so hard to learn at first. Okay, well, thank you again for coming. It's really good to have you here. Uh, should we start off with your build? If you were playing to win and you wanted to be as efficient as possible, what would be your go-to perk build? And can you run us through the synergy of the perks with uh, Hillbilly's power as well? Yeah, that's a pretty hard one to answer, uh, if I'm going to be honest. The, 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 my community knows um, there is a certain skill set or a certain perk uh, set that you should use if you really want to win. The only problem is that personally, I, I do tend to 4K quite a lot of my games, but I never run a meta build because I personally don't feel like I need it. Even though if you go against the best set of survivors, I do reckon you need to use the perks that I'm going to name right now. 
Um, if you would look at Billy in, let's say, a competitive environment or against four people that know what they are doing against a flick Billy, you would definitely need Bamboozle. But Bamboozle is a perk that we, in, in my community, the, the flick Billy community, we tend to shun it. We tend to tell people not to run Bamboozle because, you know, it's Billy on trading wheels. That's how we call it. Um, but there's no, like, disrespect to people that actually run Bamboozle because, yet again, competitive environment, you need Bamboozle. Um, I would always take Pop over Ruin on Billy if you want to have gen regression. Yet again, if we're talking about actually wanting to win, I would also take Corrupt as a third perk. For me, the quote-unquote problem is that I always run Shadowborn, but let's say you don't run Shadowborn. As a fourth perk, I would most likely take something gen regression or what is a perk called? No Way Out to increase the um, time on the exit gates. So there is like not really any coherent synergy of the build, but that would be the most optimal build to run on a Billy. Um, perhaps even know it rather than one of the gen regressions, but that is completely up to how two people want to play. Yeah, I was going to say that. Does he really need gen regression? Um, in all honesty, yet again, it, this is super, super personal, and I am very, um, I'm not going to say entitled, but I'm, I'm very strict to what I run. To, to tell you more about the story, that I personally always run Shadowborn, Infectious Fright, Barbecue and Chili, and Lethal Pursuer. None of these are gen regressions. This is my four perks. I never run anything else. Um, mainly because I think yeah, Shadowborn is just easy for flicking because I can look better at where the person or where the survivor is to know whether I can go for a flick, yes or no, whether I will make it. Infectious Fright is for slugging value because yeah, Billy has the opportunity to slug. On top of that, uh, I know that if there's people close by for flashlight saves, in higher MR, I tend to go against survivors that know what they're doing. They bring a Bieber to flashlight save. With Infectious, I can counter that and I can select the second one who was going for the save. Lethal Pursuer, just to start off the game pretty fast. Yeah, barbecue and chili, mostly for blood points, but also for the convenience of knowing where everyone is. Now, barbecue is more for blood points for me personally, because I do have somewhat of... Um, game sense and game knowledge, knowing where they should be, on which gens they should be working. Um, I tend to look for three gens, I tend to keep that three gen a little bit locked since I don't run gen regression. So I will always try to push survivors towards, like, or away from the three gen so that I don't need that gen regression. So when it comes to the whole point of does Billy need it, if you're playing in a competitive scenario, yes. Sadly enough, yes. Billy is a really strong killer, but it's also one of the reasons why you uh, most likely need to run low pro chains in competitive, because good survivors know when to drop that pallet. They're not going to greet a pallet that they shouldn't greet. So that means if you run double engravings, which is my, my base add-on kit, um, you're not going to get any value out of it. You literally need to run low pro, or you're just going to have a really, really hard game against good survivors. Um, so... Is there a real synergy between the build in the competitive scene that we talked about with gen regression? Not really, but it's in general just like making sure they don't do as much gens at the beginning of the game. By then you should have found at least one survivor, hooked him, and sadly enough, yet again, competitively seen, you need to cam them out till second stage. 
to ensure that you have somebody on Defhook. If we're talking about how I play, I just go for the fun things. I go for flicks mostly. Um, yet again, with Shadowborn, I can see very well which loops to curve, yes or no. Uh, and I don't play competitive anymore, so for me, it's more about getting a certain shot, a certain flick, um, a certain curve on a certain tile. Skybilly a little bit in between. I mostly go for the nicer plays. I don't per se have to go for 4Ks anymore because and it, it, it's in no way meant cocky. It's in no way, um, um, how do you say that, arrogant or something. But if you've proven your worth, then why should you do this every game in a row? Like, in the end, you're just going to have a headache. And yeah, whoa, I got so many 4Ks. It's not as nice. I tend to go for fun, especially in my community. Most people know I, I shit around quite a lot, as, as they say. Um, so, yeah. The build is, is really up to everyone. I've also explained these builds in, in the video we talked about earlier. Um, I personally think you should always go for a fun build on Billy. You don't need to go for the typical, let's say two months ago, uh, ruin and dying kind of build. Take a fun build that has coherence with Billy. Enduring is really strong on Barry. Bamboozle is really strong on Billy. Try to go for such perks. And not the typical ruin and dying and, and corrupt and, and pop, you know, don't take four gen regressions. That makes Billy less enjoyable to play. Yeah, I don't think I could have put that better myself with the whole um, like not needing gen regression things. If you're learning Billy, you, you need the gen regression. If you're a really good Billy, then you won't need it, and you'll normally get the kill. You'll normally get the kill before maybe even the fourth gen pops. Yeah, correct. The in in most of my games because I, I do tend to rewatch my vods as well, so so I can learn out of it and then just to clip things for for videos as well. Um, Normally, in most cases, unless it's three people on one gen, my first down is before the first gen. Now, Lethal Pursuer does have something to do with that, obviously, because it's, it's what is it, 12 seconds, 10 seconds? I don't really know. I think it's that nine. I can see. Oh, yeah, nine, sorry. That, that's indeed. I can see for nine seconds where they are. Um, if you would run Lethal Pursuer like I do, really good tip on Billy, try to go to where you at least see two people, if possible, of course. Um, if you see two people together or one person, always go for the two people because there's going to be a bigger shot that they get to a certain tile that you know you can curve. So your first down should be pretty fast, in my opinion, especially with Lethal Pursuer on Billy because of the uh, cross-map traversability you have. So now that you've just run through your perk build, do you have any other perk builds in case people don't have certain killers unlocked? Like, for example, some of the free ones? Oh, I'm... I'm really bad with perks, I'm gonna be really honest. I'm, uh, I know my four perks, but there, there it actually ends. Like, I don't really know the um, the actual free perks, but um, I do think that one of the, the better perks to always have, but I think it's an unlockable from Booba, is um, yeah, barbecue and chili. If we would talk about the free perks, Bitter Murmur is a free perk, if I'm not mistaken. It is. It could even come from killers that aren't licensed killers because you can eventually unlock them with shards. It is, yeah. Ah, okay. Then I would definitely say Bitter Murmur because once they pop a gen, you can easily see their auras and yet again, you're playing a killer with uh, cross-map traversability. So I would say Bitter Murmur. Uh, I'm thinking, can you name me a few perks that you guys say that are free perks? Because I'm going to be Sloppy really Butcher? No, because... Uh, 
that I, I don't think Sloppy Butcher would be something as viable. Um, I know that people have been thinking about it, but on Billy, I don't see Sloppy Butcher being as useful. Um, I'll probably argue Bamboozle with it being a clown pearl. Yeah. Clowns are killer that can be purchased with shards. Ah, okay, like that is also possible. Yeah, and then, yeah, then indeed you already have those two from, from Clown. Yeah, if we talk about it that way, then yes, then I would go for barbecue and chili because that is that one is. Oh no, sorry, that's a licensed one. Don't then I would indeed go for bamboozle and, and pop. And then a fourth perk, you, you can fit in whatever you want. But I wouldn't go for Sloppy as much. I think Sloppy is, is super strong on um, an OD, on a Legion, uh, people like that, or sorry, killers like that. But on Billy, no. Genuinely not. The the typical meta perks from like a year ago where we say Sloppy with Nurse's Calling, for example, is absolutely not viable on a Billy. Also not with the current state of Boon Totems. I don't see Sloppy or Nurses being as viable. I guess maybe Whispers would be a good fourth spot just to fill in a perk slot as well then. I used to run Whispers on most of my killers, but I've never run it on Hillbilly. Yeah, the, the that's yet again something that, that I personally would never ever run. Um, but that also, for a newer killer, yes, because you're in lower MMR, there are most likely people still going to be evading you, still going to be crouching around the map, and yes, you could use Whispers, but I think Game Sense is something that, that you gain by obviously playing the game a lot and playing a certain killer a lot, and I think your Game Sense should fill in Whispers. I personally think that Whispers, yet again in high MMR, is literally unusable, like it, it's a waste of a perk slot in higher MMR. In lower MMR, maybe yes. Okay, well, everybody... As you said plenty of times already in this in this um, podcast, a lot of people like to treat this game as an outlet for fun. Everyone likes to have fun playing it. Not a lot of people play it competitively. Um, do you have any builds that you would recommend for like any kind of <laughs> meme like kind of playstyles? <laughs> that was actually a funny question. Uh, yes, th there is a certain build that um, was given by Deadly Naya. She's a, a friend of ours in the, the Billy community. And she gave us what we call the Jibby build. Basically, the, the Jibby build is whatever you do, you'll never get it down with your chainsaw. So that means low pro chains and speed limiter for add-ons. So basically, yet again, if you break a pallet and you hit through the pallet with low pro, it's going to be one health stage. And if you would hit them plain in the open, the speed limiter is also going to be one health stage. Um, on top of that, you have to, and they don't really have synergy. People think it has, but there's no synergy. Save the best for last. Hangman's trick. Um, the Legion perk, and you need to help me out that if you're carrying someone that you can keep on hitting. Mad Grit. Mad Grit, yes, thank you. And then Enduring or Shadowborn. So those are absolutely useless perks. They have no synergy whatsoever. And that's literally the Jimmy build. They call it the Jimmy build because it's that stupid and it has no coherence. There's nothing that you can say like, oh, that is going to bring you some value. No, literally nothing. They Somehow you could say that if you're carrying someone with mad grit, Hangman's trick is going to show the aura of somebody within eight meters. Help me out. Eight meters of a hook. Oh, I don't use that perk often the... enough to know it. Yeah, <laughs> nobody does. That's the whole thing. <laughs> so you could say that that is somewhat of a, a like synergy, but in the end, it, it's for a reason that they call it the Jimmy build. So, whereas we normally try to go for as much M2, you should go for it once. 
Um, typical meme builds other than that. I don't really think there is that much. I, I've tried a few builds myself for um, YouTube videos, but then in the end, they just didn't work out. There are, for example, add-ons that allow you to rev your chainsaw faster after a pallet stun or after a blind, for example. I've tried to put various builds together, make videos on it. Uh, for example, End Fury, so Enduring and uh, Spirit Fury, together with the add-on of but I think it got reworked with the pallet stun that you could rev your chainsaw faster. This in combination with the add-on detuned carburetor, which made it even faster. And basically I was trying to get the fastest chainsaw down ever after like revving your chainsaw. So like the fastest rev up time. But you'll notice once you start going for records like this, that nobody drops a pellet. <laughs> so I gave up on those kind of builds because it was just, it was annoying. Yeah, they're just, they're just way too gimmicky to get any value out of them at all, aren't they? Yeah. So that, that was really, really, really frustrating because I played five games in a row with those kind of add-ons and those kind of builds just to get that one video where I actually got value out of it. And normally people every time pre-drop a pellet, and I swear to the Lord, in the five games I tried this, nobody dropped the pellet. So yeah, no, I gave up on such kind of ideas. Uh, but those are funny things you could do. Yet again, Low Pro offers quite a lot of funny things uh, you can go for. Uh, multiple pellet breaks. You need a decent map for that, obviously. But no, yeah, I, I stick with the double engravings because I'm speed addict in game. Okay, so you've loaded into a match and you've got your perks. What add-ons do you use? What would you say works well together? And what would you recommend other people use or even avoid? Oh, um, it's something that I've spoken about a lot and, and that I've been discussing with other Billy Mains. Um, yet again, if you want to talk about absolutely getting the 4K and you need to win because you want to higher up your MMR, then you should go for low pro and doom engraving. So the green engraving. Um, in some cases, you could also go for doom engraving together with the muffler, the yellow muffler. So basically, the for the people that don't know, an engraving ups your speed by a certain percentage, but it also lengthens your rev. So you'll have to rev a little bit longer, but at the other hand, the speed buff you get from it is insanely valuable. If you would run low pro, you could hit true pellets. In a more competitive scenario or scenario where you want to 4K, you'll need to be able to break pellets because good survivors are going to drop pellets absolutely like they're not going to greet a pellet where they can't they know when to drop it if you would run the yellow muffler it would mostly be to cover up for your overheat because of the mechanic um, that they added uh, one and a half year ago if i'm not mistaken um yeah i think something like that wasn't it august 2020 almost spot on yeah 11th um, august 2020 Correct. So the muffler would be helping you out on, on overheat. But yet again, competitively seen, to get the 4K, you should be running low pro. Now, when we talk about the average pub game, as they call it, or as I, as I want to refer to it, the average public game does not need you to run low pro. When I, when I stream, when I game, whatever, when I record, I can just run double engravings and still, I'm not going to say easily, but I can still 4K as much as I want to. Um, that doesn't mean that I 4K every game, which would be impossible and would also make the game unbalanced. Uh, I, I can talk about the fact that I, I think hooks 
are, are more valuable than kills, but something that I, I may be alone on, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, Doom Engraving and Low Pro. Double Engraving. Other Billy Mains that I've been talking to, for example, Sister Karen, who is an amazing Billy Main as well, she talked about the add-on, and I do need to think about the name, the one that decreases collision when hitting a certain object. And I am genuinely thinking about whether it's called the Grease or not, but I don't think it's Grease. No, it's the one with the picture of a chain, isn't it? Yeah, no, it, no, no. it reduces your um, no. That's collision. the bump. That's the bump time. Oh, you mean? Bump. Yeah. Um, you mean low kick chains or something? Low kick back chains? Yeah. Um, that's what I was thinking. I'm talking about a grey add-on, and it looks oh, like heavy clutch. Yeah. Thank you, clutch. Um, for example, Karen tells me that she loves to run clutch because it decreases collision on objects. So basically, oh, I'll do the same thing. Yeah. I run that in every Billy game I've been doing lately. Ah, yeah, for real. Mm -hmm. I, I personally, um, I do see where that comes from. I do see in certain situations where it could be useful. At the other hand, but that's yet again coming from somebody that plays Billy like every game. If you learn the collisions on most styles, you don't really need it as much because you'll know okay, this is not possible, or I shouldn't do this, or this curve is going to be interrupted by that certain branch. Because <laughs> we're talking about Macmillan, for example, every branch is a hitbox. <laughs> um, but yeah, Clutch, other, other Billy Mains, or at least Sister Karen, Amazing Billy, um, says that she thinks it's valuable. I personally don't see it that way. That's an absolute personal thing. Um, I think it's um I think they're really good for like learners who are learning to um, play Billy and use his chainsaw more than his M1. Yeah, it, they're, they're good training wheels, just like the bamboozle. Correct. The, the, that's what they are. They're training wheels. Yeah, because th that's always the risk. Yeah? Um, I used to run, for example, bamboozle in my first forty-five hours because people told me like this is how you learn Billy, but I took it off immediately and my games went like the first ten games were horrible because if you start to get used to a certain thing then you're going to rely on it. For example, now you're learning with, with Clutch. And what happens is, the next 10 games you don't run Clutch, you're going to go for certain tiles or, sorry, for certain, um, let's say, interactions with, with a tile, with, with an object. And you're going to be like, oh, damn, I bounced, I bumped. What is this? And yeah, that's because true. of that. Yeah. So personally, that, that's also why I, I put it personally in my non-viable list in, in my guide. I don't see it being viable because you're going to start learning something that you'll have to unlearn in your next games where you don't run it. Um, so I'm pretty strict when it comes to those things. I I would not recommend something as much that you have to unlearn once you don't need it anymore. Because that's just going to give you the the wrong muscle memory to use it. Oh, am I going to be in for a hard time then in my few, next few games? Yeah, it's there are like a really really good example is um, the Coldwind farm map with the building in the middle, Rancid, the Rancid Abattoir with the gen in the middle with all the the iron bars around it. Yes. Yeah. If you. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, with clutch, you're capable of going in between. Like if the gen would be in the middle, you could actually pass by the gen and get behind the gen if you would literally have the gen in front of you there is with clutch you could actually kind of go around it and you wouldn't get an interaction with anything around it if you don't run the clutch you do have interaction so that is a perfect example of, of you learning like hey with clutch i can go behind the gen this way and i wouldn't collide whilst if you take it off you would collide so 
it's a hard question whether it's viable or not. I personally don't see it being viable. Um, now, uh, the, the, so I've said the two engravings, uh, the double engravings. I've said the engraving together with a muffler, but also something that a lot of people look over is tuned carburetor. Tuned carburetor basically makes you slower when you're walking, makes the base speed of Billy go down, but it's kind of what they called the old insta saw, the crack saw. Basically, you instantly rev your chainsaw. This catches a lot of people off guard, especially people that know how to run a billy. They get caught off guard if you're running tuned carburetor because there is somewhat of a way to, and count is a big word, but once you learn how to play a billy, you'll start recognizing when he's about to initiate his chainsaw run. And tuned carburetor completely throws you off guard. Um, to newer players, this is, is pretty useful because newer players are not going to go for curves as much. They're going to go for a back riff. They're going to try and get as close as possible to a survivor and try to get them in their backs. If you're running tuned carburetor, it helps you quite a lot. Whilst, yet again, with, with double engravings, you'll have to riff way, way longer and you'll actually have to learn when to start revving. Double engravings is hard to learn, but it has quite a lot of output in my opinion. If you learn double engravings you can get way better games. But uh, competitively seen, double engraving is not as viable because good survivors know what tiles are curvable uh, or not. Okay, so you've just loaded into a match. What strategy do you use? And does it depend on the map and perks? Not really. Um, because I run Lethal Pursuer, obviously I'm first gonna, like I, I said before i'm going to try to see whether there are persons grouped up yes or no if i see a pair grouped up i'd obviously go for the pair first um, then look at where in the map they are and see whether i can zone somebody to a dead zone yes or no the first thing that i try to assess when i find someone is to see whether there are tiles that i can curve or flick or whatever and try to push them towards that tile um, Billy is known for his zoning with his chainsaw. So I try to be as, as efficient as possible. So as soon as I find someone, the first thing I do is assess the room around me, or at least the, the few 10 meters, 12 meters around me, and see which tile I could possibly get a curve on. And then the first thing is try to get them to that tile, try to zone them towards it. Even if it means I'm going to get stunned and lose time on it, that's the first thing you need to do. Try and get them to a tile where you're comfortable with your Billy Chainsaw to try and get a flick, for example. Or even better, and also for newer players, <clears throat> would be zoning them to a dead zone. But yet again, like I said before, I'd like to go for a curve rather than go for a back riff. That's my playstyle. But Well, if it works, it works, I guess. Correct. Now, the map-dependent, um, there's... A difference when you say is it map dependent yes and no um i try to see that there are certain maps that have no collision tiles those are tiles that don't interfere with your chainsaw run for example the the most well-known ones are auto haven cars there are cars that have no collision which you can basically 180 around with a chainsaw you have these kind of tiles on larry's as well there are certain tiles with the uh, chairs that don't have collision. You have this on, and you need to help me again with the name, Midwich. 
they have this on Midwich as well. Um, a lot of the flesh clumps, I think is the English word, like a, a hump of flesh, a lot of them don't have collision either. So you can also curve them. Not a lot of people know that. Um, there's this typical tile with a lot of uh, chairs, like on, on top of, yeah, yet again, humps of flesh with a pallet in the middle. They don't have collision. So you can easily 180 around these kind of tiles. So when you ask, is it map dependent? Oh, yeah, yes or no. I try to search for no collision, if possible. On Badham, I try to zone them towards one of the two cars in front and behind the school, because those cars don't have collision. And mostly I get my 180 curves on those cars. So the question, is it map dependent, is yes and no, because I try to search for those tiles, but I don't really change my tactic as much. I just try to zone them towards something where I am comfortable to flick. And that is the biggest tip I can give as a Billy Main. Zone them towards styles that you are comfortable with. I honestly wouldn't have associated Larry's and Midwich to be somewhat beneficial for Billy. Yeah, the, the, I remember Midwich coming out and I was I was mauling, but I, I mauled quite a lot. Um, because you lose your cross map traversability. I start with Little Pursuer, I start ground floor, and I see four people upper floor. Yeah, GG with Billy. You lose your first perk. You're already one perk down. Um, then you need to go up the stairs, and then you need to do two chainsaw runs if they're in the opposite corner to actually reach someone. When it comes to that, those are really, really ridiculously bad maps. Um, Infectious Fright, you're also fun perk to, to go for slugging. Yeah, invaluable. Huh? Like, you down somebody downstairs, your Infectious Fright procs upstairs, bam, your second perk you're using is gone. The only perk you have left is barbecue and chili, because the fourth perk is Shadowborn. Can't really say that that is a, a valuable perk. So you only have one perk left, that's barbecue and chili. So those maps, I call myself a, a one perk killer, which I don't think I, I, I can be assessed wrong. Okay, well that brings us on to our next question um, about everyone having their own playstyle, and it, it works for them because they do it often enough, but do you adapt your playstyle to how the survivors play? If they're playing somewhat unpredictably, do you change the way you play to try and be as unpredictable as possible as well? Um, I try to assess whether they know that I'm a flickbilly or not. Um, if survivors don't know that you're a flickbilly, I will keep on playing the way I'm playing. Once they notice that I'm a flickbilly and I see that the survivors know how to play against the flickbilly, because yet again, like good survivors, I'm talking 3k hours, 4k hours, 5k hours, they know how to play against the flickbilly. You go white on certain tiles, um, you you go to a TNL wall because those are genuinely one of the hardest tiles to, to get a proper curve on. Um, if I see that they're adapting to the fact that I'm flicking, then yes, I will start to clobber more, for example, I would use my M1 more. And on top of that, I will also try to get more back ref, try to get closer. Um, for example, on Billy, you have a really cool curve that you can do, it's called an S-curve where you're basically facing forward and do a fast flick right and a fast flick left. Or the other way, a fast flick left and a fast flick right. It's a really hard curve to hit, an S-curve. It's, it's, I think it's even harder than regular curving on cars and all those kind of things. Um, I would try and do those as well, because those throw a lot of good survivors of guard because they're not used to people S-flicking. Um, but yeah, that I, I think I would genuinely try to well, adapt my playstyle a bit more and mostly go for more M1s. It's it's needed 
if, if you see that the survivor knows you're a flick buddy, you need to start M1ing. Simple as that. You need to use your M1 as much as you can. Since the release of Boon Totems, most killers are not happy with some of the placements of the totems. What do you think the totem placements, and how do you think they could be improved? Um, if you say improved, may I ask, do you see this from a survivor aspect that they should be improved, or do you see it from a killer's perspective that they're a little bit too strong and that they should be changed a bit? So, for example, you might find them in the middle of the LT walls, yeah. or on top of the mound near the rock yeah. on the right-hand side. Mm -hmm. They're being placed in open spots. Do you think they should be more hidden, or do you think they're fine as they are? Um, I personally don't necessarily have a problem with where they spawn. Um, I, in general, and, and I think I can fairly say that I'm a 50-50 player. I play 50% survivor, 50% killer. I genuinely do think that in the current state, boot totems are super strong, especially when used with, with uh, survival with friends. Uh, say the way one but swift in the end is pretty strong uh, we cannot go around that and i think the current state of boon totems is not the perfect state um yet again i play a lot of survivors so yes we also use healing totems for example um i more so have a problem with the one hiding your scratch marks the unbreakable one yeah i uh, i did to have oh, problems is a big word but Let's say, for example, an ace. Somebody runs ace. You don't even need iron well on ace, as, as some of you may know. Um, an ace running into shadow step is pretty strong. Just imagine another survivor with iron will. I have a really good headset. I tend to play a lot on sound. I don't play music when I'm gaming, um, just for the fact that I need to hear where somebody's stepping to. But combine iron will with, for example, shadow step, I think it's pretty busted right now. Um, look at the healing speeds you can get if you have a boon totem, the circle of healing, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, combine that with uh, some of the Claudette perks, for example, and survivors can genuinely get healed in such a fast way. They could hide behind the TNL wall whilst you're mind gaming, for example, with Billy to try and get that curve. But if they have botany knowledge combined with one of the boon, uh, yeah, boons, sorry, they can heal up before you even mind gamed. If you think about that, I, I personally think the spawn is the least of my problems. I think if you look at, at how totems were, were hidden sometimes as well, I think it's just the fact that boot totems in general are very, very strong. In solo queue, not per se, but in survival with friends, yes, I, I think they're quite strong against the killer, especially if you have four people with 4k hours if i would go into a swift together with my friends and we would take boot totems there's not a big shot unless i go against like really really good killers that they're gonna be able to do something so do i think the spawn is that much of a problem not really um i think they're in a good spawn everywhere it's the same like hex totems for killers sometimes they're super well hidden sometimes they're blatantly in the open uh, I think it's more the effects that I worry about and, and most killers worry about. Hey, well, with how long you've been playing um, Hillbilly for, I bet you've had some really memorable matches that you're not going to forget anytime soon. Would you mind sharing any of them with us? Yeah. Um, when it comes to Billy, 
it's not per se really uh, rememberable matches itself. It's more moments. Um, it could be like you got against a high-profile DVD content creator or something as well. Yeah. Um, on Billy, I've gone against quite a lot of, of competitive teams as well. Um, some of them that I know personally, friends of mine as well. Um, there's this one person that I went against and that is pretty rememberable. It is uh, Sladonki. Not a lot of people will know of Sladonki, but if you're somebody vested in the community, you've probably heard of the Doinky tech. It's basically a tech where as a survivor, you, um, if you're being run by a killer, at a certain point when you get to a corner, you turn around the corner into the killer and it's 13 frames that they don't see you. It's called the Doinky tech. I don't know whether you guys are familiar with it, with the Doinky tech. Never heard of it. Um, yeah, it's actually insane. It's 13 frames where you're invisible, purely by movement. So say, for example, um, a jungle gym with a pellet. If the killer would run into the pellet from the inside of the jungle gym and you would cross him from the pellet back to the inside, the killer would not see you for 13 frames. So that means he's running through the pellet, looking where you are, and you're literally behind him. That's called the Doinky Tech. So Doinky is one of the best survivors I've ever known. Personal friend of mine as well. Um, I've went against his squad, I think, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Uh, yeah, I got six stages. That's good and that's not good. If you know that these guys literally invent such kind of things. Uh, that was a pretty memorable match. I went against Sway. I don't know whether you guys know Sway. Uh, good streamer and YouTuber. No. Um, not familiar with Sway. Uh, Sway is also a really good content creator, good friend as well. Um, I went against Sway together with Dringu and two of his friends. They're really high profile streamers and, and uh, YouTube content creators. Uh, S-W-A-E-H, sorry. Um, and, and those are high profile games that I went against. I've, I've got against many people that I know personally as well. But I think it's mostly moments moments where I got a certain Skybilly clip, um, where I got on top of main buildings. Those are the most memorable to me personally. Um, I think I've went against more high-profile uh, streamers when I was on Survivor, such as on Starva, such as Lilith. Um, call it those kind of people I go against as Survivor. But on Killer, no. Mostly competitive players that are not as known for, for people that are not in the competitive scene. Uh, the curse of high MMR. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. Th th that's also a weird part about about high MMR. Um, it's it's the mixture of getting one game a full comp team, and the next game for people urban evasioning. But they got into high MMR because they have escaped every game most likely. They held them one on gens and they didn't uh, they didn't have any interaction with the killer. So that's a bit the curse of high MMR as well. Okay, so now that you've mastered Billy, what advice would you give new players or even your past self? Don't get nervous and relax. Relax with your chainsaw. Try to time your revving. Try to learn as much things that you can um, rely on muscle memory. Um, something that I've also described is learn. That's how I did it. Learn on certain tiles when you need to start revving. 
For example, if you have an Alta Haven car, and let's say you're running Adonless Billy, just try to find, we call that little bridges, try to find bridges for yourself. If you have no adults, you need to start revving your chainsaw on the back right side, for example, of a car, because then you will be able to flick once you reach the front. If you run double engravings, you need to start revving in the middle of the license plate on the back of the car, because then you'll be able to have your chainsaw 99 at the end of the car. So those are kind of bridges you need to search for yourself. Where do I start revving my chainsaw and where not? Um, learn the speed you traverse. Learn at how long you take to traverse a certain tile. So that you know, for example, if you're running a TNL wall and you see the survivor through the window, you need to learn for yourself. If I now turn around on the right side of the L wall, will I still be able to hit him on the corner of it? Yes or no? So it's basically timing that you need to learn. Um, be patient with your chainsaw. Also something that I personally taught myself and, and that I've been, been practicing quite a lot is when you're looking into certain maps, try to get those no collision tiles in your head. Try to feel whether you have collision, yes or no. Um, and the most important part, and that is something that, that a lot of people forget, is angling. You need to angle your chainsaw. And what I mean by angling your chainsaw, if there's a survivor running away from you, in front of you, and he would go to the left, don't per se rev your chainsaw to the front because you'll be limited to where you can turn. Sometimes you're better off, rather than angling to the front, to example, angle 45 degrees to the right, and then initiate a flick within the first second to the left, so you have a different angle. One of the most important things that I can tell people, angle your chainsaw up front, because there's going to be objectives in the middle, going to be objectives between you and the survivor, and you need to learn how to angle your chainsaw, so that maybe an, a curve within the first second, uh, in the first 0.8 seconds of Billy's chainsaw, you can flick, think, up to 180 degrees. You need to learn how to angle it to make that angle actually like work afterwards. Uh, if the survivor would be 15 meters in front of you, and there's a car at 10 meters, you're not going to ref to the front. You're going to angle yourself to the right and initiate a flick to the left. That's how you put down somebody like that, for example. Angling, really, really important. Well, that's really good to know. Um, so with um, the topic on tiles, do you have like a favorite tile you like to play? A certain tile you like to shepherd the survivors to, an LT wall or a long wall or the shack? Um, mostly, what I've said before, no collision tiles and preferably the no collision cars because those are really fun to, to do mind games on and to actually get a curve. If you look at the Autohaven cars or, um, for example, the the chairs that I have been talking about on Larry's or on Midwich, it's really fun because you can, the, if you're getting experience at Billy, you can turn around yourself. So that way you're actually doing a 180 rather than doing a 90 curve, for example. And that's basically almost only possible on no collisions. Um, a 180 is super hard to pull off, even if you would up your DPI as much as you can. You won't get a 180 without the no collision fact or the co no collision factor to the tile. 
So I'd preferably say Haven cars, um, Badham cars, those would be my favorite ones. If we would talk about Skybilly tiles, I have completely different tiles, but it's not as viable for, for regular Billy. Okay, well, MMR has been in the game for a while now. Some people like it, some people don't like it. Have you had a significant change in your game since it came into effect? Yes. Um, I would like to say no, but I have to say yes. I noticed that games became harder. Um, if you would look at, for example, the competitive side of DBD, there are rule sets. Basically means you cannot have two of the same perks. So you cannot run two unbreakables in competitive, you cannot run two decisive strikes in competitive. There's a reason to this. It used to be two perks. You used to be able to run two times DS, two times unbreakable, uh, two times iron will. They had to change that. And we're talking about, I'm talking about people that 4K every game. Huh? I'm talking about people like Nightlight, one of the best nurses in the game. Uh, Otz has used him as an example for his recent challenge. Um, I'm talking about killers like Rayun. I'm talking about killers like Finger Guns that we saw in Best of the Best. Those kind of people told the administration and told the people behind competitive scenes, we cannot have two perks of each because it's too strong. So this is not coming from killers that have no experience. This is genuinely coming from killers with thousands of hours that say, if we're talking about competitive side, we shouldn't be running two perks. Then you run into a game on high MMR where there are four of these perks, four BTs, four DSs, four Unbreakables, and four whatever's Iron Wells, let's say that way, with at least one boot totem somewhere mixed in. So the whole rule set that is needed to keep it somewhat balanced is gone. And the, the counter argument obviously is, yeah, but the killers are running Ruin and Dying and, and Pop and, and Corrupt. But then you get a Billy like me who doesn't. And then, yeah, that becomes pretty hard. And people say, oh, but it was there before. Correct. You had that before, but there were no boot totems yet, for example. Certain survivor perks didn't have the buff that they have right now, for example. Um, so I do think that survivor perks have been updating positively. Fun, cool perks, really, really interactive with old perks and stuff. But I think there's not enough counter for killer to it. And yet again, I'm not an entitled killer main, far away from that, because I play as much Survivor as I do Killer. Um, but it's a bit cursed to go against, you know, the typical 4 DSs, 4 Unbreakables, 4 BTs. It can get frustrating. Um, even though I don't get as frustrated as easily in, in Dead by Daylight. I, uh, I go for hook stages rather than kills. I also tend to not tunnel, so I don't eat DS as much. Uh, I do tend to slug because of my Infectious Fright. Um, and then, yeah, the one unbreakable is, is expectable. I always tell my chat as well, like, guys, this guy's got unbreakable, watch it. And then 99% of the time he actually does use unbreakable. But uh, it's the fact that you can have those four perks four times. That makes it pretty rough from time to time. And yet again, it was there before as well. But boot totems and such did change the environment quite a bit. The maps that have been changed to such an extent where Billy is, is being, yeah, uh, not gonna say nerfed as much, but some maps have been really changed in a really bad way for Billy. If we look at the new map Crows of Ares, or I don't know the exact name, my apologies for that. 
Um, oh, you were, you're almost there, Eerie of Crows. Oh yeah, I was getting close. Um, if you look at Eerie of Crows, there are so many tiles that are shaped in a square rather than a rectangular. If you would look at, for example, the, the, uh, the graves that are put there, those are square tiles. You cannot curve those. A good survivor is not going to fall for a curve on a square tile because they'll be around the corner before you can even curve them. You cannot mind game them because it's square. So there are so many changes and so many tile reworks. Um, if you look at, <laughs> it's so sad. If, if you look at Macmillan, for example, you see a lot of triangular uh, tiles now, rather than the old rectangular ones. A triangular one is not as curvable. A good survivor is never gonna run towards the rectangular tile. He's always gonna run to the triangular tile because they know that you can't curve it with Billy. So. I think that the, the current environment of map changes is the biggest problem for Billy. I'm not talking about other killers. I'm mostly talking about Billy. And I think Huntress mains can support me on this because they've put a lot of debris, I think is the English word, on top of those tiles. If you look at the simple thing, the Autohaven cars, you used to be able to throw a hatchet over them. You can't anymore because of the debris they put on top of it. And it, it, it's the exact same with the debris they put around. There's a lot of collision, that shouldn't be there. But that is a rather a map problem other than an actual MMR problem. But it does make Billy kind of hard in higher MMR because the map doesn't support him and perks. So we talked about this when we interviewed Lilith Omen and he was on about his ray trace was in the center of the screen. Yep. So he said, you know you're going to hit something because the bits that stick out of, I don't know, let's just say a car, mm -hmm. if it sticks out at your feet, you're not going to hit it. But if it's in the center of your screen, then you're going to collide with it. Correct. I'm assuming it's the same with Billy. Um, I would like to say yes, but there are certain tiles. Um, if there is, for example, on an auto haven car, if you have a pellet on the car, you can get stuck in the middle of the pellet if you curve it, whilst there is nothing indicating a collision in the middle. So there's nothing up, even nothing on the floor. Um, if you would look at, for example, branches on Macmillan trees, those are somewhat in the middle or higher up on your screen, but there is no, there shouldn't be a collision. Normally, like the, the little branch shouldn't have collision with you. And, and I remember on pellets, I actually have a few clips somewhere of it, like I was genuinely getting frustrated. In the middle of the pellet during a chainsaw run, I would get stuck. Like literally I would bump whilst I could just run through it. And I've had this with a few tiles, even, even on my last stream, I remember I, um, I clipped a part where I literally got stuck on nothing. And then if you look around, we're literally talking about seven or eight pixels or something that were sticking out somewhere, and that actually caused collision. Um, I've went into free cam mode quite a lot, and I used to have um, some, some private builds that I normally play on and record on as well for cinematic purposes. And if you look at how collision, like how the collision is built up on certain tiles, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, a good friend of mine used to, um, used to also develop a little bit and, and like rework some of the uh, written codes from BHVR. And you could actually see like certain codes being written in such a way. I'm not a developer myself. I have no knowledge about it. But when he explained it, I immediately understood like that can't be correct. Like the actual collisions being written in such an extent that they go um, 
how do you say this in English? They go further than they should. Like the, the values were actually too big for what it was. So yeah, but that's a deeper problem rooted within, within coding that we can't help, let's say that way. So we all know that Billy can down people with his chainsaw, especially it loops by curving. Can you explain how you curve and when is the best time to use it? Yeah, I think, um, as we mentioned before, curving, you need to learn for yourself when to start. And that's how you learn initially how to curve. Once you know where to start, it's going to become an automated thing. It's going to become muscle memory. And you don't need to look at the details, as I mentioned before. Like I said, with double engravings, if you have a car, you need to start at the license plate. That's something that you do in the beginning, the first two weeks. After those two weeks, it's going to be muscle memory. You're going to know, okay, I'm around here. I can start revving. Um, you should not go for curves of tiles that you learned or you know that are not possible. Um, TNL walls, for example, is a perfect example. The T wall is the hardest one, or at least in my opinion, it's one of the hardest tiles to curve, unless you super properly mind game and a survivor falls for it. So that's a two factor needed thing. Like you can be super duper at mind gaming it, but in the end, survivor needs to fall for the mind game. Um, but a T wall is something where I typically try to curve once, sometimes twice. If the survivor stays at the T wall, I try to go for an M1 because I know that the T wall is the hardest style, in my opinion, to curve. Um, as mentioned before, on a square tile, you don't go for curves. Stupid. It's, it's literally going to lose your time. You're not going to hit it unless the survivor is super bad, of course. Um, always go for rectangular loops, no collision tiles. Shack is a really fun one to try and mind game. Um, ooh, is there anything else to curving that you should really learn? Yeah, yet again, your angling is, is super important. Um, I described it in one of my videos as well, where you need to learn that sometimes it's better. For example, Shack, you shouldn't hug Shack. If you're hugging Shack and then go for a 90, you're most likely barely not going to hit it. Whilst if you take a little bit of distance from Shaq, you can initiate your curve earlier, which is going to get you that last pixel hit that you need. So yet again, that, that, that's something you need to learn. It's muscle memory. But don't per se hug every tile. You'll, you'll learn when to start and when to let go and when to initiate your, your curve. But I think that the most important tip is muscle memory. Keep on doing it. And if you fail once, it doesn't matter. Even I still fail. I mean, I'm not perfect at Billy at all. I know how to play him, but even I still fail at tiles that I've done a million times. So be patient, relax, and learn for yourself where do I not curve and where do I do. So I've seen a plethora of people who play Billy. There always seems to be a divide about people who use keyboard and mouse when drifting. What do you use? And does the DPI of the mouse make any difference? I personally use mouse and keyboard. Um, there are a lot of old school players more so that play Q&E. Um, I'm very dist distinguished when it comes to using mouse and keyboard because I feel like you have more freedom when you use your mouse. During your chainsaw run, you can use your mouse to adjust where you want to go. And I feel like with your mouse, you can be more precise. Does DPI have a factor? Yes, for two reasons. Your initial curve 
within the first 0.7 seconds to one second where you can have like i said 180 degrees maybe a little bit too much but almost 180 degrees of turning your dpi is going to help you out on getting that 180 or not um i personally play 800 dpi which is not super high uh i play 100 in-game sense if i'm not mistaken controller sense um I personally think that mouse allows you more freedom in your chainsaw run, whilst Q&E is more staggering. You'll have more staggering movement. It's going to be a little bit more hacky, if you know what I mean. Um, so I would always tell people to run with mouse, whilst Q&E is good if you're an experienced Billy, is good for uh, curving. Now, at the other hand, if you go for more advanced curving, it's always useful to have your, um, I don't know the word for those fingers, but your point finger and your ring finger, your index finger and your ring finger, if I'm not mistaken. It's handy to have them on the keys. You need to go left and right rather than have them on Q and E to curve left or right. Because the mind game involves a lot of going left and right in movement. So I personally don't see Q and E being as, as usable, as, as viable as your mouse. I think your left hand should be focused on your Billy's movement and your right hand on the curve. That's, to me, the best way to do it. As a um, learning Billy myself, uh, the, one of the things I had the most trouble with was feathering my chainsaw gauge, keeping it 99 around certain loops. Do you ha um, and sometimes if I'm doing that, I get distracted because the survivor's sort of like up in my face are trying to juke the direction left or right or trying to spin around. And I'm trying to keep track of that and feather the chainsaw at the same time and I would just mistime it totally. Do you have any advice to combat that? Yeah, step back. The hardest part for certain billies and, and still for me as well sometimes is when they get up close in your face. Um, try first of all to look a little bit more down because your chainsaw automatically will pull you up a little bit. Try to look down a bit more and use your S key. It's something that a lot of people tend to forget that you still have an S key. If they're getting up in your face, they're trying to make you lose, uh, not really line of sight, because line of sight is breaking with a tile, but they're gonna make you lose them out of sight because of your FOV. The best trick there is to step back a bit. Press your S key once or stop pressing your, your W key for a moment so that they actually like get back inside. You will see them again. That's the biggest thing because that's what they're trying to do they're trying to throw you off guard by losing you because of the fov with the chainsaw just step back a bit press s key once and then you're fine again and feathering yeah sorry to say yeah muscle memory the feathering is muscle memory but s key is the best tip i can give you i i, I love how short and, and sweet that was J just step back easy i didn't think it'd yeah. be that quick actually it, 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 it is as easy yeah, it is actually that easy, but it is something that most people forget because they're in that mindset of, I need to follow the survivor because otherwise he can make it to the next tile. But if the survivor is coming to the point where he needs to step into your FOV to survive, mm -hmm. that means they don't have a tile close enough to get to 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 get to safety. So just S key it once. Ooh, okay. Well, as we talked about just earlier, um, on the 11th of August, 2020, Billy had his overheat mechanic added... Um, into the game. Did you play him much before the rework? If so, uh, did the addition of the overheat feature change your playstyle at all? I, sadly enough, didn't play Billy as much before. 
Um, I started playing him around the beginning of August. That's where I got to meet the, the amazing two Billies that taught me Billy. Um, so can I say a lot about previous Billy? Not really. It's not that I didn't play TBD, so I do have my opinion on it. I think that the overheat was added because a lot of Billies kept on revving. There were a lot of Instasaw Billies that just kept on revving, kept on revving, minutes long. That indeed was a little bit scuffed because it didn't allow you for certain counterplay. I think they shouldn't have added overheat, but they should have done something about the Instasaw. The old Instasaw was, call it or name it, pretty busted. Even I as a Billy can say it was just busted. Um, do I think overheat is a good or a needed add-on? Absolutely not. Um, there is no reason as to why they have added it, in my opinion, that can be justified. Um, I think Billy was in an amazing spot. Nobody was complaining about Billy. Billy was not overpowered. I think it was not one of the best updates. Um, first, they, they lost a lot of Billy players with 3.7.0 update, where they took away the interaction of Billy with certain tiles, which allowed him to sky Billy. They took that away, and they literally lost quite a lot of Billy players with that update. And then on top of that, they put the overheat, and that's where a lot of people stopped playing Billy. Um, do I think a really good Billy shouldn't overheat? It's a bit much to say. I I run double engraving, so it increases your overheat quite fast. But I think, let's say if I play 10 games, there will be one or two games where I overheat it once. So do I overheat as much? No. So therefore, is it that bad of a rework? You could say no, but in the end, yes it is. Because I do think it doesn't allow uh, Double Engravings Billy to do certain plays that they should be doing or could be doing. Because they know, oh, I need to watch my overheat. So yeah, not a big fan of the, uh, of the update, to be honest. Okay, so with the many hours that you have in Billy, do you think he's in a good spot or do you think he needs more changes? Um, without trying to sound biased, because of the fact that I play Billy, I do see two add-ons that could possibly be added as base kits, or three add-ons. There's three add-ons that I think should be base kit. Um, yet again, this could sound super biased, but it, it, I really try not to be biased on this. I think the death engraving, the yellow engraving, could be base kit, a little bit more speed. Because if you play Billy without speed, I can 100% tell you it's horrible. If I as a survivor go against a Billy that does not run an engraving, and that's not to, to boast or to bloat or whatever you say that in English, if he doesn't run an engraving, there is almost no chance that he's going to catch me before three gens are done, at least. Because he's so slow. And I'm talking about M2, not, not double M1 clobbering. Yeah? Um, there's no shot that somebody without engravings is actually going to get value. It's way too slow. Uh, every chainsaw run is going to do, you're going to be able to anticipate just in time. So he's only going to be able to catch you off guard in a dead zone. That's the only way without engravings I see it working. So I think that engraving, the yellow engraving, sh could or should be base kit. If not, the 
muffler could be base kit. A little bit less overheat because, yet again, overheat with double engravings is coming pretty fast. Um, it used to be three chainsaws without too much mind gaming. Now it's four chainsaws without too much mind gaming before you overheat. And if those two are a little bit too much to ask for, then I would perhaps say the clutch. Even though I didn't see it being viable, I do see it being viable being base kit. Not as an add-on, but base kit, yes. That is my opinion. So do I see him in a good state right now? Hmm. Hard question, yes and no. He's not as viable as Nurse on high MMR. He's not as viable as Blight on high MMR. Um, because if you consider Blight doesn't have any cooldown or uh, just like the overheat for Billy, you just replenish your charges whilst charging. So, no, he's not as viable anymore as he used to be. Where he used to be within the top five, at least. For some people, even top three. I think he now fell back to, pff, say, a top seven, top eight killer. So there could be some reworks. Well, thank you very much for this amazing interview. We really do appreciate it. Thank you for thank having you me. Very, very much for popping in. Uh, it's, no, been, it's been it's been fun. No problem. It was genuinely my pleasure being invited. Um, if I look at all the previous podcasts you guys have done, it's actually an amazing job you guys have been doing, and I am more than honoured to be asked for these kind of things. Absolutely. Oh, thank you for your kind words. No problem. Yeah, thank you. Um, I also will be putting a link in the description to um, the video guide that he's been referring to couple of times throughout the podcast great so if anybody wants to watch that that'll be in the description oh yeah i i gave that a watch myself and i i definitely picked up a good few tips from there that's amazing to hear and yet again anyone is always uh welcome and, and i'm always available for questions or any inquiries yet again uh, if you guys have questions always welcome to ask if you have listened till the end we would like to thank you and if you want to hear more interviews like this then please subscribe this interview was recorded on patch 5.4.2. I would like to thank Sofa Rex for the interview, myself, Jamie Lee 2K, and Tofa for co-hosting the interview and for being a part of the intro. All links will be in the description of the podcast and we look forward to you hearing the next one.